I remember the first SoundCloud kids, major labels were like reluctant to sign these artists. This isn't real. This is like crazy kids with face tattoos. And then they all got so big that everyone's scrambling, like, let's sign everyone. And it was like reactive to something that was really pure, which was kids were picking the virality and kids were reacting to music that, you know, was very punk to them. It was real energy and whatever. Every brand's like, let's throw money at TikTok and let's do things with kids and whatever. It's like the fucking Wild West. Oh, Lord, Jensen made another one. What's up, y'all? I'm your host, Brandon Jinx Jenkins, and welcome back to another episode of the Rap Caviar Podcast, which you can watch exclusively on Spotify. Look, I know that I'm not alone in my feelings that hip-hop seems like it's going through a shift right now. Something's changing in the culture. You can feel it in the air. So today, we're going to try to figure it out, and I brought a few friends along to talk about it. First up, she's the senior VP of Aaron at Warner and the founder of the Basement Series, Erica Coulter. Hey, y'all. What's up? Next up, he's the founder of 3XL, a photographer and consultant at Interscope Records, Sycamore. Jinx, what's the deal? What's up, man? And lastly, he's a DJ and co-founder of Field Trip Recordings, Zach B. What's up, man? What's up? So look, guys, hip-hop is in a transition period. It feels like we're in the midst of something unpredictable coming up next. We've seen shifts before. This has happened before in the 2010s. For instance, when the business and music industry was in flux, technology was rapidly evolving, and a new generation was ascending and blogs were essential. Now we're at another inflection point. A new generation is again coming into focus. Technology is again disrupting music making, consumption, and distribution. Streaming is essential. Audiences are fragmented and rap's ubiquity on the charts feels less certain. So I just threw a lot out there. I guess my first question for you all is like, are you guys on the same page? Do we feel like there's a shift happening in music and music culture? Absolutely. In the world. Yes. So which, you know, that affects music. We're all moved by how music goes. You know, that kind of helps us get our day started. So, yeah, there's definitely there's a shift for sure. I think everybody right now is just trying to figure out what's what should I be doing or mm. should I be doing nothing? You know, like, can I can I have a minute to figure out what my next move was? I think, you know, we're not necessarily giving ourselves grace coming out of the pandemic, but also realizing that, like, to be creative, you got to give yourself a minute to know what you really want to do. Like, what is it that you want to say? That takes time. And because we're all moving so fast, it's like, do we have the time? Yeah. You know, like, like, how do you make that time to go into whatever that next thing is that you're trying to say from your artistry? The three of you are working closely with artists and also on the business side as well. Right. Like you guys are seeing the artists that you're trying to usher in from prior generations and also new acts that you're trying to pop off and get them to be uh, relevant, have audiences understand who they are. Um, What shifts do you guys feel like you're seeing musically between the artists that you guys are working with? Um, I think people are so quick to just dismiss hip hop, but hip hop has morphed, you know, like we're 49 years old this year, you know, and at 49 years old, you start thinking about different things, you know, you start thinking about generational wealth and what you're going to do for your future versus some of these other genres that are like 10, 15 years old that all have certain elements of hip hop. You know, and I think to answer your original question, it's like we're living in a post-pandemic world and everything that happened prior to the pandemic is different post-pandemic. People who came out of it are totally everybody. It's not just music. It's like, I don't really feel like going in the office. This is not my purpose. I'm picking up the camera. I'm moving back home to my people. Everybody's doing their own thing and they're, they've reprioritized life. And I think music, especially hip hop. They got to kind of get with the times where everybody else is gone. Because the younger generation, they're like, I'm doing everything. I'm not just breakdancing and emceeing and doing that type of shit. Yeah. Like, when I was coming up, it's like, I like everything. I listen to Bad Bunny. I can listen to Channel Trez. I can listen to Montel Fish. You know what I mean? I can listen to Guns N' Roses. It doesn't have to be my age. I'm, and I'm going to be everything. I don't have to just be this one code that hip-hop had me as. Mm. Yeah, I think it's kind of like the Wild West again, right? And there's... um. There's just so much being thrown at everyone. And I think throughout the pandemic, you know, I was working with younger artists and kind of like learning from my little brother and his friends and like really, which is crazy because I'm thinking I'm young and I'm in tune. And he's like, this goes back to something we were talking about off camera, which is like the cycle of like generations is moving twice as fast now because of how fast the internet's moving or whatever. Whereas it used to be a 10 year cycle, then a five year cycle. Now it's like two and a half years. There's a whole shift. Long story short, I just feel like there's an overexposure to everything. Everything's kind of melted. Like I can confidently say like when I was at 16 years old, you were like either into like playing sports outside or into video games. Mm. And now it's like everyone does everything. I play video games and I play basketball and I listen to rap music and I'm in a rock band and I'm in a whatever. (laughs) And like not only did technology 
obviously has always been at the forefront of like changing music consumption and patterns and whatever. But throughout the pandemic, everyone is consuming kind of all the same things because everyone's seeing the same viral videos. And now that kids are coming out the pandemic, they're experiencing life in a whole new way. And now what they're finding meaning, we can look at the trends like festival tickets are down. Yeah. Individual concerts are up. And because kids are finding out what do I actually care about now? And I think there's never been a better time to be a niche artist or a cult artist because like everything is genreless. And now it's like kids are buying into the world of an artist, which is why we're seeing emerging artists. The ones that have success are the ones that have like a world built around them. Yeah. It's not even about the genre. It's not like I like hip hop or I like this. It's like I like this artist and I like his universe or her universe. I'm curious. Um, just having been around, whether it's like fan or working in the industry, what are some like other shifts you've seen in rap culture that stick out in your mind? For me personally, I remember um, feeling really connected to the blog era. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when that whole thing popped off, that era of Big Crick, Currency, um, sort of like Alchemist Rebirth, um, Drake, right. right? Kendrick, all these people that birthed out of that shift. And I think for me, what felt natural in that shift was that they were new artists, but they felt like they're, they were new, but they were still going to take the path of the older artists, right? Mm-hmm. They were still going to try to make full albums. They were still going to try to win Grammys. They were still um, following in the footsteps of the prior generation. So I'm curious for you all, is there, another, is there a moment before the last two or three years, a shift that sticks out into your mind that's informed the world we live in today? I love the concerts. Oh, concerts when I was growing up in comparison sucked. It was like, put your hands in sucked. the air. Sucked. Really? Like, think about it, right? Who was like the, the best performers in the, 90s and 2000s. Busta Rhymes, Redman, mm. Method Man. A lot of it's like nostalgia. You look at like the things that they can pull off now with, yeah. just from a production standpoint. Like I was at that show last night. I'm looking at the stage. I'm like, we are in a time of like the craziest stage tech. But, you know, and it's only going to get crazier, but sorry, not, not to interrupt. Yeah, it's like, you know, just like crowd experience, right? Like I went to a concert. I, this merch was few and far between. Mm-hmm. You could barely see him. I'm on stage. I'm like, which one is Nas? You know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's far, you know, and it's like in a small venue. Like Tupac, I don't think even ever like performed like in an arena, had an arena tour or anything, right? These kids could have 10,000 people mosh pitting, you and your friends. I go to any concert now, by the way. Mosh pit is just part of anything. I went to yeah. like a uh, indie alt pop concert when they're doing songs like Taylor Swift. Mosh pits. Like, open it up, open it up. <laughs> it's like, it's so much fun now to go to these shows because there's so much experience that people are, you know, in this post-pandemic, everybody wants to touch. Everybody wants to feel. I was mm. trapped in my house. Everything is tribal, it's primal. And that's why you see people like in the uh, electronic space, you know what I'm saying, in dance space. Everybody wants to be in the dance space because everybody wants to go out. Everybody Tempo. wants to have fun. You know what I mean? People just want to just get close to each other and see like Beyonce and Drake trying to figure out like, how do I get in there? Yeah. But it's like, you got to get out there. You know mm. what I'm saying? You got to feel it and people just want to feel it. And I think that's a big difference that wasn't really an element when you were a kid. Like when you were a kid, it was like breath control, locks. You know what I'm saying? It was like verses. Like he yeah. knows all the words to his show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's look how great he is. But now it's all about the fan experience, which I think is awesome. Which is funny because that's an inflection point that it shifts. We see elements of it today, but there is pushback, right? Someone's like, they're not even doing all the lyrics, but it's like, does it does it matter? No, I mean, well, to go piggyback a little bit off of what Six said about the shows and everything like that, I got to look at that in two different ways. Because, yes, I understand what you mean by you get to feel it. You, It's it's so much of what's going on with the stage and the setup. Mm-hmm. But there was a time that, like, you wanted to just hear the artist and you wanted to see the artist and you wanted to feel the artist and, and whatever that was that they were given. My first concert ever was, like, a music soul child Erica Badu concert. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, it was like, that was a vibe to see live performances, real singers, like really you doing your craft and sounding just like you did from whatever I'm listening to. Um, but where that shift came from, I think that there was a time, and it, it's not I think, it was, there was a time that you knew about Little Kim, you knew about Foxy, you knew about Queen Latifah, but you didn't really see them collaborating. And I feel like that shift of when Nikki and Cardi started doing more of that, like with Meg and Cardi doing WAP or with, you know, even um, Nikki coming to endorse Bia. Like, you know what I mean? Like things like that are shifts of things that we never really saw because it was like either you were a part of that camp, you were a part of that camp, you did your thing over there. It was that. But to see like it's about 20 girls now like that you could name that are either on tours together or on records together. Like that means something because at one 
one point it wasn't. It was like, no, we, that's our crew. That's your crew. I think the same thing used to happen. And um, I remember like liking, this is kind of fucked up, but I remember liking artists that felt precious. Like I remember Jay, you couldn't get to him. Mm -hmm. Kanye, I remember the years when Kanye decided he was going to be amongst everybody. And it, it was fun at first. And after a while, I was like, oh, is this, is this diluting what makes him special? Obviously it hasn't, but that was a new, that was a shift where artists started to be like, I'm around everybody. Before I used to be like, I collaborate with this crew. I yep. do this. And to get a feature for me is a big deal. I think Kanye to me was the first dude in rap that was like, oh, no, nah, I'm going to be, I'm going to do, I'm going to be with everybody. Right. And like give everybody some of the, some of the game. To this day, when he does, if he likes something, we pay attention because mm. he don't like everything. You know what I mean? And so for him to like it, there's something special. So, you know, those are, those are things that we need. Yeah. Zach, what about you? I mean, we've touched on a lot of good points. Like, I think just to really echo, and I'm talking really young generation. I'm talking like during the pandemic music mm -hmm. that kind of broke out of it, like a scene of music that happened. I really think technology, again, is like the shift. And I'm using like personal anecdotes because like I, I was working with kids that had viral songs and whatever. And by, by the way, I want to preface viral songs with the fact that since the dawn of the internet, new artists have always emerged from the internet, right? Blog era. Yeah. Drake, Kid Cudi came out of MySpace. We, Soldier came out of YouTube. Yeah. yeah. We, mm -hmm. yeah. Weekend Frank Ocean, two mysterious artists mm -hmm. on Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah. Part yeah. next door. All these things, Snapchat broke Bryson Tiller. Kylie Jenner's <laughs> Snapchat broke Bryson Tiller. Yeah. Right? Like broke the Khalid song. Right. Like all these different things. So I think people are knocking TikTok more than any other medium because of like, oh, it's so quick lived and it's whatever. I'm like, but it's actually the most democratic of all social media that's ever existed in the sense that anyone has a chance at the virality. Mm. And I think that's something to be celebrated and not knocked. And I think that it's up to the artist to keep transcending, but everyone has a fair shot more than ever before. For sure. Which is now, why no one can everybody, predict anybody can be an artist. Which is why no one can predict anything anymore. <laughs> right. It's, this is why it's kind of like the Wild West. Mm -hmm. It's because like every day everyone's chasing the new viral hit. Now, are these artists going to transcend and create amazing bodies of work? That's up to, to them to, to decide and, you know, up to executives and A&Rs and people to build around these artists and whatever. But I think, like, literally, you can be a kid, make a song on your iPhone, put it on TikTok and go viral. And there's actually a beautiful thing to that. Yeah. And maybe it's diluting music, but also, like, it's giving access that wasn't there before. Think, by the way, through the pandemic and then even this year, this has been the slowest time of new artists breaking at a mass scale. So uh, there's been a lot of that, too, right? There's been this discussion about, like, yo, a lot of nostalgia's up. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, older acts are more, like, cemented acts are there. And, like, we don't. Even this year, it's like I found myself relying upon our biggest artists, right? Like, I'm like, all right, what's Drake going to drop? All right, cool. What's, what's Kendrick going to drop? And they both dropped products I didn't predict. And I felt this need of, like, what's happening? And I was like, all right, well, who's who's new? Who's next? And that pipeline to from who's new to who's next feels more broken than ever, yeah. right? Like, it doesn't feel like the older days where, you know, it used to be this formula. All right, you, you're going to be in the back of the music video. So I know you're coming up, right? Then you get a feature. I know you're coming up. <laughs> Yo, freestyles, all those like formulas that mm -hmm. say you're next, all those things feel shattered now. They don't mean as much. Mm -mm. I think it's because we're losing our scenes, right? Hip hop. You know, back in the day, you used to have like uh, like a tunnel banger, oh, right? Like, that was the thing. Like I go to the tunnel, like, and it didn't have a radio station. That's like a record. I went to go play that there. You know what I'm saying? There's places that like I went to hear records. Like I hear this everywhere. I'm doing this everywhere now. Like Zach says, most of that stuff goes on the internet. But other genres have real scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, if I go to Puerto Rico, there's just one block that goes to break the records, not mm -hmm. even a club, like a block. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And and then, so Puerto Rico could come out and bring out reggaeton or really take it to the next level. And you have all these artists from like Azuna to Tukisha, you know what I'm saying? To She's not from Puerto Rico, but Rosalia. And, and they have a whole scene that they could yeah, go. Yeah, but Rosalia's transcending because she's playing in that world too, right. even yeah. though she's from Spain. And they're building that out. And the same thing you go... To Afrobeat, you know, there's a scene yeah. in Lagos, you know what I'm saying? You go and you have like the Wiz and the Burner Boys and the Thames, and it's like you could just feel a scene. I like, where is hip hop scene right now? Like, where do you go to experience it? London has a great scene, and the amount of artists that are coming out is great. And I think like a young kid in London is like, yo, I got Dave and I got Central C and I got Septa. I got a whole bunch of artists. I don't really need a lot of these. And these you can see them. Hmm? And then you can go out and see them. I don't really need these guys from the States anymore. They kind of, they always cancel their shows. They always shit on us. <laughs> They're not collaborating with us anymore. Like, if I'm 15, 16 years old, I have my own drill everywhere. Wherever I grew up. I grew up in Paris. I could listen to Paris hip-hop. Yeah. I could yeah. listen to Berlin hip-hop. I could listen to Nigerian hip-hop. 
I, could, I don't need, I don't really so, need like so the, the, the state's hip hop. So I think a lot of our view that we're talking right now is a very American localized view. The rest of the world is not thinking like this. And the funny thing is those definitely are pipelines to hip hop. But when we think about hip hop America, like why don't we have a scene? And what is that? What do we lose in that process? Because we're just so like about the the thing that got us there, like the... I'm cooler than you. Like, you know, I got the jewelry. I got I can rap better than you. I can mm-hmm. dance better than you. We've taken that a little too far, the hustler mentality. You know what I'm saying? Now it's all about how big, how to scale. I go from YouTube. I'm not doing that little show. I'm not doing that little interview anymore. I'm not doing that video. I'm going straight to Rolling Loud. I'm going straight to Coachella. If I'm not talking to Ebro or somebody, I'm not. I'm not doing it. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So we're losing, like, those. it can be no, like, uh, video music box documentaries. Like, who's doing that? So now it's more specialized things. So I might go see, like, the kid who does the drip, drip check. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> like, that's kind of cool. Like, you right. know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, not yeah. even that specialized. We, so we have to we have to start respecting some of our, our, our personal scenes because we, we kind of shit on our own scenes because it's not big enough, it's not cool enough. Mm. But they, they have every other culture, they really respect their scenes and their people in it. You know what I mean? Even, I forgot who was saying it. I think it was uh, Drama was saying on the podcast. He said Atlanta was a place that people always helped each other up. And that, that's not even like that anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think it goes back to what you said earlier of when we come out and not to bring back the pandemic, but when we came out of it, people were just different. So a lot of people that curated a lot of these scenes that were there aren't curating those scenes anymore. They don't want to, you know, or they feel differently about it. And so I think it's also... Who's the new? Who's going to be the new to break that mold of curating, of making those platforms? What's going to be the new 106 in Park? Where will you be able to learn about an artist, see their performance, know why you want to get invested into them as a fan? You don't have any of that. I wonder how much of that is also like, like we're talking a lot about culture, but how much of that is like commerce, right? And like the structures around it. Because like you could have a scene, but a lot of those scenes have jumped online, yeah. right? Or you could have a scene, but like, what do you do when your neighbor, like in New York alone, like your favorite spot's been shut down? Right. And does an 18 year old, 20 year old, 24 year old want to make that or is it better to have that online? Right. Like, is it better to have that like Twitch is semi it's like a scene. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're you're in your crib. I think about like what um Kenny Beats is doing. Like it's not a physical scene, right? but it's a scene for him. And you can definitely map it out what it looks mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think <clears throat> going back to scenes, I think collaboration has been amazing for artists and has also killed scenes because there's, it's a lot less territorial. Yeah. So it used to be like, there's something happening in New York, something happened in LA, something happened, whatever. And now it's like, everyone's just like, we gonna make this work together. Everyone's just like, <laughs> you know, you look at the chart, it's like right. everyone's together, right? Yeah. Which is a cool thing, but it's also, that goes back to, you're talking about like Puerto Rico specifically has a different scene than, you know, this other place has a different scene. It's like, Amer- America has gotten so big and so connected and so whatever that it's just like, and it's no more like like the the pride in uh, Lagos and pride in uh, Puerto Rico is different. Like totally, like, sure. like the Wizkid's name album is like Made in Lagos. Yeah, like, you know, like yeah. now, nah, motherfucker. Like you know, like when Bad Bunny and Rosalia does interviews, they say right. I'm only speaking Spanish. Yep, you know they what I'm saying. And, and it's like we're not when I say we, not hip hop, but America is not the center of culture anymore and progress mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying that it's almost in every like if you look at we're react we're reactive now yeah you look at the Instead oscars proactive. you know like you know how many uh mexican and spanish dire- uh, directors or korean. even korean directors are winning like director of the year right. yeah like, you know like we over here we look at america as the world and everything else is international but when you travel and you watch the news they talk about the whole world yeah, like, it's always this, global. This is what's going on in Berlin. This is what's going on in Japan. Right. You know, and they look at international like America. So we're really falling apart as a country. And hip-hop is, <laughs> is as American is as it, it gets. Yeah. So, like, they're taking the best part of what we bring. I think, like, in the last 40, 50 years, America's two best exports are, like, tech and hip-hop. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that we brought to the world. You know what I'm saying? And everybody kind of figured out the hip-hop thing. And they're like, all right, guys, well, we'll see you later. So if we have to make more of an effort to go out and respect and generate our own, build our own scenes. But also now you're going to have to travel. Like you've seen the flight prices these days. They're ridiculous. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the people are traveling more than ever. After being stuck in the house for a year, year and a half, they're like, I don't care what this price is. I'm out. <laughs> and I'm going to stay. That's why I said like people that moved to Miami that left like either New York or LA, they're staying. <laughs> they're like, I'm going to just make it here in, in, out in Miami. Yeah. This is my new scene. By the way, I think scenes are returning though. And I think going back to something you said, which was very like, Astute, which is like 
does the 24-year-old want to build that place that's a platform of a scene? And I think they just didn't know that they had to. Right. I think they're coming. Mm. I think I think they're used to it being away. And it's now, already built. And now they're used to, they're used to being either like we want to go try something different or we want to go tap into whatever you know whatever the old pipeline was. And now it's like the pandemic kind of put like a a, a block in the middle, and the kids are like, "Wait, now we're these guys? Oh shit, we have to build this." We're the guys, and now. it's actually happening. Like I was just in New York. Like you can feel it. Like that there's. In Brooklyn, there's like an alternative rock scene being mm-hmm. built. And like all the kids there are very self-aware that it's happening. Damn. And they're like, we perform at these places and we fuck with these people and whatever. And like, it's very evident that it's happening. And I think scenes are returning. And I think that's because it's being built now. Yeah. Something you all are saying. It's like, I used to always wonder about like, um, when you watch a group that's rising and it has like, it's trying to be on top, there feels like a different uh, collective nature. Mm-hmm. There's like a different purpose and intent. Like we're trying to do this thing. And then also the idea that these institutions are built. Like I'm so used to like, you know, um, I think about like the first hip hop journalists, like trying to figure out their thing, like starting like ego trip or something like that. And like building these like institutions versus like my time, I just, you try to get a job at the institution. Right. And like, what would we do if these institutions crumble and you're finding people that are trying to find their way? I'm curious for y'all on the industry side. Um, I forget which I think maybe Zach, you said is like um, the industry, at least from my standpoint or my view is like both an audience member and in my seat, like I currently sit in, used to feel like when I was younger, it was leading the way. Mm. And it feels like now it is much more reactive. How does that affect your roles and what you all are doing? Right. Like, is it about breaking new artists or is it about sort of connecting with artists that are currently breaking very publicly? I think the last three years of music has been people chasing data of things that are breaking. Mm -hmm. And those aren't always true as to what's actually breaking. There's just things that are reactive due to virality. And then now I think we're seeing a shift when you go back to like the fact that legacy music is up, people want to feel something and it's really a return back in time. And some kids don't even realize it because they're not familiar with the old time, but it's like music is going back to, and in a beautiful way, let's go build things. Let's find songs and artists we believe in and build them from the ground up and use all the tools instead of chasing what's, might be reacting in the moment. I, th- I think it's refreshing. I think kids are surprisingly discovering old hip hop, old rock and things like that, but in a way that's meaningful to them. You can't force f- feed a no. kid anything, right. right? Which is why you see like, if someone's mom shows them Kate Bush, they're like, oh, this is my mom's music. If Stranger Things shows them Kate Bush, they're like, this belongs to or me. Or TikTok shows them something. Right. They'll be like, like, I mean, Keisha Cole right now. Right. <laughs> streaming like crazy. Because yeah, she's now in, in records that, you know, are hip-hop records. And they're like, wait, she been around for how long? Yeah, what like, is oh, that? Like, we love this. This, right. feels, this feels real to us. <laughs> right. And they're like, wait, wait this what? is how old? And then they feel like they discovered it and right. they feel some ownership over it. I think the industry, like you said, like, there's two industries, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the major label industry you know, kind of got saved by streaming services. Shout out to Spotify. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I think that it made them lazy because mm. now it's just like, okay, well, let the data pick the single. Let the data pick the artist. Let the data do this. If you, so you bring an artist, they're like, is it streaming? Is the data working? Before, like, data was just like this, like, small aspect. Like, it was like a, a research record. It was probably like 10% of the records they signed. Or proof that the decisions made were because of the successful yeah. or correct but that was like 90 percent was still off instinct or or real things like oh they could bring a crowd or this so and so forth or a feature or a talent right now the the major labels are sort of like how major film labels are like paramount or something you know what i'm saying like uh they're good for like remakes and blockbusters like how you said like drake and kendrick they could make those big but i feel like all the progressive Artists that are breaking are coming from production companies. Mm-hmm. And you go look like, uh, you look at uh, Love Renaissance. Mm-hmm. You look at uh, uh, a TDE, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Field Trip, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You like all these different production companies are doing really, really great things. And that's where all the fire artists are coming for. And labels are just pumping money into those companies. Well, it's understanding it's for, the nuance, right? Because they're, they're the ones really on the ground. Like, I'm in film, A24 or Braun is really making the movies I want to see. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, they're going to make remake when Harry met Sally in <laughs> the major studios. So when you're stuck in the major studios now, you're, you're only good for remakes or, or blockbusters just giving somebody a major deal. Like you're like going to be like a dinosaur. All the progress has happened in those production companies. Why though? You know, like you figure it's like endless resources, not endless resources, but more resources than like a, a more indie or more like, you know, uh, uh, self-built organization why take the chance? Like, why am I going to spend 
if Erica brings a record in, right, and she finds this girl and she sings at the basement and she's like, yo, it's the next Mariah Carey. They're going to be like, well, Erica, is it streaming? Well, it's not. She doesn't have much out. Well, you know, who's the co-sign? They're like, eh. And if somebody else comes and Jinx comes and he says like, yo, like, you know, this guy's going viral because <laughs> they posted on the, the, New, the New York Knicks Twitter and Kyrie Irving reposted it. Boom. The peak of that was, they had a fucking, um, cat, uh, that, 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 the AR guy from Capitol Records. Who oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's really, if they could do that, if that would have went, went off, with they would have just reposted right. hip all the way. Which is crazy. And, and it's like, you have to realize there's people who are making these decisions. It's not the hip hop industry. This is the music business. They're going whatever works. So mm. they're saying like hip hop's down. They don't, truth be honest, they don't want to be in hip hop and music with us. Like, when I say us, me and black people, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just for real, though. Like, they don't really, it's like, I'm going to go whatever works. Mm. It's, it's colorless. Like, whatever's happening, I'm going to move towards it. You see what I'm saying? They're not They're not vested into our culture. They don't go home and listen to our music. Yeah. If you really look at a lot of these label heads, like, if you think about it, like, how much do you think I should go home and actually, like, go play Yeet? Yeah, or even, like, even Kendrick. Yeah, yeah. Probably not a lot. By the way, you know, just because we're on the Rap Caviar podcast, Carl's been someone who's been instrumental in just even like learning things from and all that. But he even told me like, Yeet is one of the very few examples of a song that I put on Rap Caviar that performs terribly on the playlist and I take it off the playlist and it's still up trends. And I'm like, because this isn't for music, that, that music that these kids listen to isn't for passive listeners. It's not one uniform thing that's on a radio that a kid in Idaho is listening to the same thing as a kid in LA. It's, there's cults. You know? Yeah. And it's like, that's what's happening too now. Like, that's the return of the scene is like kids rallying around a specific artist. It's about, are you a fan of this artist? Not am I a fan of the genre? Running a smaller operation that seems to be, can also be more nimble, yeah. like field trip. You can react in real time. Yeah. I'd say, what are some of the benefits of that? And how are you feeling like it's allowing you, or it, do you feel like you're even experiencing the shift? Or do you feel like we're able to just be with the shift? I think we're shifting. You know, we're at the forefront of the shift. I think, you know, an artist like Yeet, as viral as he is now, when we did the deal, he had 5,000 followers on Instagram and the music wasn't big, but he was an artist that had vision. He came to me and was like, this is what I sound like. This is what I look like. This is what, how I spell words. He literally said it to me, like, even, I think like in like financial terms was like, Q3, I'm going to drop this. Q4, I'm going to drop that. Then after that, 2022, they're going to be ready for this sound. I'm like, okay. After, I'm like, if everyone's chasing this data stuff, this kid seems to be in that same scene as what everyone's chasing, but he seems to be the one that has vision. So I'm like, let me take this and then we can go do the things in real time, be at the parties, play the music. You got to realize like sometimes major labels and they're amazing. We've, it's, I think it's about the right type of partnership. Thank you. Yes. Mm. Um, and yeah. you know, it's like, it's like imagine being like, like a, a, a war commander and it's like airstrikes and ground level and you need kind of all these different pieces to work. But like, Definitely, like, if someone with the label's working nine to five, we're working five to nine. Right. And I think and, it goes off of champions, not to cut you off. Yeah. I'm sorry. But, yes, the example that Sycamore gave was absolutely accurate. But there are also people like myself. I still work at a label because although something may be data-driven, I'm going to go that way, but I'm going to also go to something that isn't. And mm. it just feels good. And I see how hard this person is working, and they have a plan, and they got 5,000 followers. They don't have 500,000. They got 5,000, and we going to build. And so I think there still has to be that part of getting your hands dirty and understanding that not everything is going to be recent. Search, it can still be really dope fucking shit. It just yeah. has to, you got to take a chance on it. There has to be more of that. And as much as these labels, it's a corporation, they have to make money. It's still about the feeling. It's still about the music. It's still about the artistry. So I don't, as much as there are people that are going to be watching this, I need them to know you signing to a major label, you're still going to get the support regardless if you have a bunch of followers or whatever. Have a plan, have a vision. There are people that will take a chance on you. There's too many artists getting signed now. I just, I don't, just don't have the bandwidth. They're not like signing more people. Like the labels aren't getting any bigger. It's less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same amount of staff, more artists. Right. Yeah, but it's a quadruple of artists now. I meet younger A&Rs now and they tell me they have 11 artists signed. I'm like, how? Was like, that, is that a shift you've noticed? Like, was there a point in time where it used to be like, like, not less artists, but like... 10 years ago, you know, if less I... Less artists I, and more staff. I used to have to put my head on a block. I used to have to jump, scream. I used to have to, like, go to CEO, like, follow him to the car just to get to big, get one artist signed. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You were passionate like, about it. And I had to, like... <laughs> when I was young, I had to, like... You know, I had to go... I had mentors and people I had to learn how to be in a studio with. There's a lot of these new guys, you know, they're never even in a studio. 
Like they don't, and they have eight artists signed to them. It's but then they don't. Also, they don't have to because some of these artists are in their bedrooms writing, producing, mixing, mastering yeah. all of their stuff. Not to say that's good or bad, but it's just, just the different. reality. But but you know where the progress happens is like they really know how to surf the internet, so they can identify things really early. Mm-hmm. So to a label, to them, that's like. That's where the progress is. Like, shit, this guy's finding me eight artists. Sick, you've been working on that same artist for 18 months. He done brought me seven artists. Like, why am I going to fuck with you? Like, you know what I'm saying? But then eight of those artists are going to come and go. But yeah. even if the eight artists come and go, like, one might have, like, two of them might have some kind of song. That's when the numbers is like, shit. It's just like, it's like numbers, but I'm not selling, like, soda. You feel what I mean? These are all people's lives. These are beings. Yeah, these are people who are really talented, who have dreams, who have whole teams around them that you're just disposing of they're reduced to numbers which is frightening but definitely scary <laughs> are there other relationships you guys wish that you wish like tech was um more like in lockstep with what you all do well, editor- or do you not care I wish it was more lockstep with editorial you see what I'm saying it seems to be like adverse I don't want to put any names out but I wish like a hip hop magazine would use tech more you I, see what I'm saying <laughs> that, that's, that's my real life and we've had these conversations before about like tech is almost stripped away um, the other thing we talk about the shift around all this is like media right like media <sighs> It's not that it's non-existent. It's 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 as fractured as the music. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get in in real time. I get to know what you eat, what you like, what happened to you today, what you don't like, which then makes me make a decision if I want to listen to you today, if I want to support you, if I want to go to your show. Like it's it's so much access in the worst way. If I had to ask if something could stop, I I want to bring back the the mystique of artistry. I want to know. I want to wonder more about you know, my favorite hip-hop artist versus, like, I already know. Your lifestyle is more important right now than your music. I think that's the part of what I wish could change. Because then the moments, it takes away from the moment. You can't even have that moment in your rollout anymore because you didn't already told me about it. Mm. Whether you post about it, somebody else posted about it, whatever the case may be, those moments don't even even get created. A lot of these rollouts have been deaded because of the access, in my opinion. Media is scrambling because... How could a magazine be accurate when things are moving so fast? A print magazine, right? So fast. And I think, and then I think, I think, and media scrambling because they're like, what's the, what is a successful magazine now? A digital cover that has however many impressions. Right. So media is really at this interesting place where, and I think we're seeing both sides. Like it mean less and less. Like bad music reviews are turned to memes. Mm-hmm. They don't mean anything. It doesn't mean kids are not going to listen to it anymore. It's either you like what they like. Or if you don't like, they'll turn you into a meme. I find a lot of times when artists have shit to drop, they don't even know who to go to, mm-hmm. right? Or people will hit me. I'm like, I don't even work in that way anymore. This has changed. And I feel like that is a part of the storytelling. I think when you leave the storytelling in the artist's hands, I think that they have sensible things to say and obviously know their story the best, but it puts one more responsibility on the production house, on the label, on the artist. And are they going to tell it the best? There's times as a journalist, you're like, let me save you. Right. You know, and let's push it this way. Or... This is interview one of interview four, you know, like that whole build. And I feel like um, that world's been sort of fractured so much that a lot of people that are storytelling now um, aren't don't have that like um, artists are self-published. Artists are self-publishing their own narrative. Right. And or the other people who are latching on. I don't know if they're always um, do they care, but they might just have that seat and just I'm going to be loud. You know, as they're doing now, artists are self-policing now. You say if you look at all the top podcasts and interviews from Carissa to Gilly mm-hmm. to Joe Bunn to Math Alpha, you know what I'm saying? They're all artists. Yeah. And they're getting the best interview out of artists. They, Nori. <laughs> Nori. Like, yeah. you know? Nori's a rough ride, but like, yo, when you sit through, you always walk away like, damn, I didn't know that. And part of that's, um, there's a real value in that too. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing happened, again, being this dead horse in sports. Like all the top announcers, the new media, right? Mm-hmm. Draymond Green. It's Tony Romo. You know what I'm saying? These people really controlling their own narrative. And they'd rather go to somebody who looks and understands their story than just some guy who might, you know, stab them in the back later. But then I watch sometimes artists are stabbing themselves in the back where I'm like, yo, why'd you say that? Or why'd you do that? Or why'd you go to that interview? Like, I you mean, know. That goes back to, like, artist development. And team. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like, there's a lot of that that just doesn't exist. So some of these kids are getting put in front of of yourself and someone like yourself and they don't know what to say and it wasn't talked about before of what they shouldn't say or how they should say it or what they should be promoting so there's that other part of like we also got to like care about each other like you know what i mean like not put each other in that crossfire of it and then i also think it's timing we just talked about how quickly things are coming out and going some people don't even have time to properly put their 
the rollout together to say, okay, when we sit with you, these are the things that we're going to talk about. Mm. It's just like, cool, we checked off that box. Let's go to the next, you know? By the way, this goes back to the conversation of like indie product, indie label production house and major label, which is like um, curation versus access. And, what do you mean? And what I mean by that is like, you are talking about why would you go do that interview or why would you go do this? Sometimes an artist is being told, go do this. This is the right thing for you to do as opposed to it being a little more hand-selected for them. And, like, I keep bringing up you as a specific example, but that's a very specific example of, like, we turned down all press for him this year. Mm-hmm. We turned down XXL Freshman. We turned down, no offense to, you know, XXL Freshman, but we turned down all these things and opted to do uh, no press. And and it's, like, my, my point is, like, sometimes an artist will get thrown into a position where they're, like, go do this interview. It'll be good for your song rollout or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's actually something that overexposes them and hurts them in the long run. So I think you have to be able to use the access of knowing when to pull the right levers. But you have to be very curated in the approach because, you know, an artist can say the wrong thing or it could be the wrong look or it could be the wrong timing or whatever. You want to time these things right. And I think that goes back to having a team around them that can kind of help build their world and understand the timing of it. And that's why major labels are great because they have a publicist that's dealt with so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And And then you also need the person at the ground level that's like, yo, we're doing this scene. If we do that interview too early, it'll seem like we left our world. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think it's like both. And I think with same thing like we're talking about, we're building an artist that has a mystery around them. Why would we pull the curtain back? Right. Right? Like we actually made our own magazine this year. And distributed it at, rec- at record stores. And we're like, yo, kids need to go back in the record shops to get our shit. As opposed to going to watch the No Jumper interview. <laughs> I'm curious, um, do you guys feel like musically there are things that used to hold value that are no longer holding value in present day rap and even some R&B? Absolutely. I mean, I also think it's just the way that certain things are coming in that take away from how you're looking at it. Like some artists came in with a crew and whether it be a production company or like just your crew. And that was another artist that was doing something. So you were attached to it that way. You're now having an artist that literally came from nowhere, came from Indiana. Rap crew does feel very. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, it's not the same in the sense of, so this artist from Indiana as talented as they are. I know nothing about you, but I'm about to fall in love with you and now be a fan. I think that's where, yeah, a lot of those shifts are happening. And so, just getting back to the storytelling. I think that's the most important part too because with that crew, I was able to tell the story of where you came from, what y'all was representing. Like, look at the ASAP crew. Like, you know what I mean? Mom. Like, yeah. That was, was like, waiting, that was like, was for that, that was the thing to just be like, I'll, even I'll if you I'll didn't, feature. yeah, if you didn't even know about all of them, you wanted to know because their crew was so fine. There was an era where the crew was so important or the or the rap family Gives tree. context. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, you think about um, Drake was the only rapper in the crew. He's like, these are just my homies. Mm-hmm. And like, they became a crew. Right. And like just the idea of whoever they were. But there's a whole world. I think about I think about Travis Cactus Jack crew. But even then it was like this idea of the family tree. You know, I think as a rap fan, it always plot family trees of like how many people were actually from the Jay-Z family tree. Right. Like that's a thing. Now, um, less of that is present. And also, I think in some ways, in some ways, less of it's relevant. (laughs) I disagree. I feel like crews still matter. Cosigns still matter. I feel like we're rappers. Cosigns and crews are different. Yes. Right? Because, like, now well, it's like... Let's Carson. Hmm? Well, like, let's say I'm... Um, like, like, Jack Carl doesn't feel like he's a part of a crew, but he'll get a co-sign from, like, ESTG. He'll get a co-sign from Drake. He'll get a co-sign from all these... He's a part um, of a crew. He's part of the generation now. It feels like his crew. Yeah, but it's like, it's like him. No, but, uh, he also, no, but he's also... No, but he has, a, he has a Louisville scene. He has a hometown thing. Like, that's my, my brother, right? Like, that's mm. where he has... A crew, maybe it's not to the same scale at the which or when Drake, was, when Drake was dropping artists from the bottom, and you saw all his friends. And you're like, I know who Obie is, I know who Ryan, and yeah, I know who yeah, you yeah. are because you were following the fandom of the whole thing. But like, people have crews, and then, yeah, crews and cosign. Or, I think yeah. is, is or the, or the rap crew and cosigns, right? Because like, I got a crew, you know, but like, we ain't all doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's like the rap crew of like, like ASAP. When you look at how it all landed. Everyone's not even still rapping, but it's like they were introduced that way. And I think back then we were in love with the idea of like, how many times are we saying this is a new age Wu-Tang? Because that was like a reference point in context. Um, today, in order to get the spotlight on you, I think part of that's changed because everyone, like there were crews before, everyone shouldn't have been rapping, right? But it's like, we had to introduce you as a rapper to put a spotlight on you. The shift is open now where like, most of the people that are famous now, you know, we don't even know what they do. It's like, you don't need to rap 
to have the spotlight on you. So maybe the idea of a rap crew has changed. You could be the rapper, part of a crew that does several things, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, collective. a creative collective. Collective. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that's a shift, the crew into the collective. Um, I'm trying to map out a few more. I mean, look at it. Yeah, YSL, Lil Baby's crew. Everybody, there's a lot of crew still that are very, very relevant and have incredible family trees. Even the Odd Future crew is still Odd Future, Odd coming out hits with, with Steve Lacey's uh, mm-hmm. part he's of that crew. Yeah. yeah. From the internet. Like, Frank Ocean, Tyler, Taco is an actor. You know what I mean? Think? There's two ways you come in this in the hip-hop thing, right? It's either you come in with a cosign on the label or you come in with a crew. Mm. If you just end up like in the middle there, like by yourself, it's a nasty place to be at. Have we seen success of that though? Like if people like popped up out of middle of nowhere? And, yeah, like, I mean, I could call some people who like seem like totally unaffiliated, like somebody like uh, Amine, right? Mm. He's like successful and totally unaffiliated. But he lives in a world too, though. He lives in a, in a world that isn't a, necessarily a hip hop scene. He lives in like a mid-century furniture, Arcteryx wearing, grailed, he Daniel have, Caesar I'm fan. I'm just saying, you know label, label crew, he's like totally Of course, my, my, my point is like, there. all these artists come from worlds, whether they're at the forefront or not. But yes, like back to the conversation, he doesn't come from a hip-hop crew. Yeah. Right? But, you need to, but you're right, you need to land somewhere. Like Olivia Rodrigo doesn't need to land anywhere. Mm. Like she could just be whatever she does. And I don't know what she like does. Like Little Nas X would be the same thing in the sense of, it's not like he came from some a crew versus like, he created this. What's funny is, as you guys are saying, like in absence of the crew, the shift has been, if it's not a crew or a collective, no matter what it is, you have to create context. And that's like world building, right? Yeah. Like the crew yep. is your world, exactly. right? Whether it's your homies from where you're from, the guys you rap with, the label you're a part of. What does then, it look and feel like? What does it sound like? Yeah. And like kids have to be able to just make it, it has to be distinguishable. Mm. Yeah. Nobody wants to see rappers without friends. Period. I don't want to see a, Without a, a place they call home and a destination they're headed to, right? I just right? want to see a video. I want to see your homies around. I want you to rap about somebody. Like, I don't want to see... I don't want to... I don't want rappers out first. All, all these kids, by the way, we're talking about the youngest generation, SoundCloud 2.0, yeah. right? Because t- first 2016 was like the one that broke on the scene. Kodak, Yachty, Trippy, whatever, mm-hmm. XXX. Now the whole new kids, Sofago, Ken Carson, Yeet, this, that, third. They actually all emerged from one scene mm-hmm. where it was like... All these kids, there was like literally a hyper-focused group of kids that were on the internet following these rap blogs, mm-hmm. on the Discord servers, following these artists that were all like, we're in this scene together. And it wasn't territorial. It wasn't New York versus this or that. It was like, we're all in this thing. And then as they've evolved, they've picked their trajectories and they've picked their teams. And now they're growing, you know, like Fago went Cactus Jack. And you see and you see Ken Carson and Destroy Lonely are like, opium affiliation or whatever. I mean, I'm talking about very kind of like niche stuff right now, no, but like... The Odd Future, I mean, awful records To the kids, this is everything. Like, they mm-hmm. know exactly where these kids fall and what affiliation. And this all emerged out of one scene where the kids actually dictated, like, these are the 25 artists that are in the world and we can tell who's actually in there or not because they're collaborating and they're even co-signed within the subculture. And now as they're emerging out of it, we're seeing the importance of an affiliation. We're seeing the importance of to a kid getting a record with a bigger artist, that's like same thing. It's like, wow, we're really doing this, right? Mm. And when you see some of these kids that are evolving out of the scene, what's hap- what's what's facilitated their growth and validated their growth has been the affiliation to bigger artists and the music making with bigger artists and the world building. What categories or factors are... Um, not necessarily needed, but like really important and integral to making a rap star now, right? Like maybe some of those things changed before. Like, you know, we were talking about it. Like you gotta have the like expensive music video. You gotta have the label boss in, in your shit. Maybe you need a magazine cover. Maybe you need like a freestyle live performance, whatever those factors are. Some of those mechanisms don't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So present day, what are some of the things you feel like are helping to make the current day rap star? And is that, I don't want to boil it down, but like, is that, 10 viral TikTok songs. Is that a cosign from Ye? Is that like what? There's no one right answer. Yeah. You know? I was like, it used to be, and it's never been some like of them? one blueprint, but there was some a template that we used to be able to it go out. Right? I don't yeah. even know how, how authentic that template was because right. that just what was set up and people. Yeah, that's did it. what we knew. We how knew much, that. At I always think about how much talent would have worked today that there didn't to be work a pipe, before. There used to be a pipeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I for me, like Cardi B. She's giving us one album, just so we're clear, right? We don't know if we're getting another one, nor are we necessarily asking for one, but we like her. And I think her being relatable, her giving us the access that she gives us is what makes us like her even more. And and she gave us records. Like, let's be clear. And I would still, I know Pop is so quick to grab our biggest stars, which I do want to talk about before we get out of here. Um, But it's like, I still, if you ask me what she is, I mean, she's a rap star. Period. You know? No doubt. I I, I think that the song matters. Like when you first come out, let's Mm -hmm. see two 
two women who are on the same trajectory, right? It's like Glorilla and Ice Spice. Mm-hmm. They both have songs that popped off, right? And they get bigger with every interview they do, every moment they have, and every, like, person who co-signs their song. Everyone says, uh, oh, you thought I was feeling you? They go for that. Or yeah. blow the FNN? Yeah, FNF. FNF. You yeah. know what I mean? Everything. And you know, I was going to be curious to see, like, as they're two completely different artists. Two, two different, different worlds. Memphis, Memphis, world. Memphis co-sign, like... But the, but there's no going back for either of them. They're in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So every move, every song they make, that's what the point I was making before is going to matter. Like, uh, when Ice Spice came out, I rolled out of Toronto. It felt like a moment. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, wow. They were going crazy. And watching the fans go crazy. You see what I'm saying? I you just, see how real it is. By the way, a lot of stuff post-pandemic, we're seeing how real... How, is it real or not? Right. Are yeah. kids buying tickets? Is it going crazy? You know? Mm-hmm. How that, real that, is this stuff? Yeah. That's part of it, right? It's like, um, to be a rap star, is it like performing live ticket sales? Is it having an intact social... Is it brand co-signs? Like, one thing that changed for real is like being ushered in or garnered in by a brand. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it was whack before, but like, it wasn't the illest shit. Now it's almost a sign where like when you see it happening, like, all right, they're here. You know, yeah. maybe not here to stay. It's an arrived moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before sure. that didn't signal it. It signaled, oh, you're getting money. It didn't say you arrived well before a brand ever got mm-hmm. hold of you. I think when you break... brands weren't buying in early back then. Yeah, they were. They didn't even know what to look for. I think to your point, to the, I think when you get past your scene, you see what I'm saying? When Ken Carson makes it out of his scene and mm-hmm. appears in a McDonald's commercial or on a Jay-Z album or something like that, it's going to be like, oh, shit, this is going viral. You know what I'm saying? To your last point. You see what I'm saying? The more you bounce out to your different scenes, it's, I think that's Minion, how you still Minion grow. Song? Hmm? Minion song? Minion song. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not doing any interviews and he's like, I'm doing Minion. So like, oh, <laughs> shit, he's going crazy. You know? <laughs> well, I think now more than ever, to triple down on the fact that it's the Wild West, at first it was like everyone was rejecting a lot of this world, a lot of hip hop world. And mm-hmm. then they got so big financially that all corporations were like, we're going to buy in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Not even maybe in a genuine way. Just like, it's like, remember, I remember the first SoundCloud kids, major labels were like reluctant to sign these artists. They're like, this isn't pop music. This isn't real. This is like crazy kids with face tattoos. And then they all got so big right. that everyone's scrambling. Like, let's sign everyone. And it was like reactive to something that was really pure, which was kids were picking the virality and kids were reacting to music that, you know, was very punk to them. It was real energy and whatever. Yeah. Now we're, you know, two generations removed from that now where, where every brand's like, let's throw money at TikTok and let's do things with kids and whatever. It's like the fucking Wild West. Is rap too reliant on that? I would, I, I've thought about this a lot and I've thought about the idea of like it's almost like America's demise like foreign money like we don't really make shit here no more we take things cheap from other other countries um, and then we look around and like we're left kind of holding the bag like we're struggling as an economy we can't make things and I've worried about part of that shift in rap is like you know without like chart topping records this year do brands start to pull out and do we are we left like with a a culture or industry that's become so reliant on this outside money that will look around and be like, how do we afford what we afford and how do we do what we do? I'm not gonna lie. I, I hope so. I hope hip hop kind of like steps away from it. Yeah, it was getting a little, it's getting, it's getting a but little. Like, what happens to the culture when it does? Like, yeah, obviously it's like America. Like, yeah, I hope we start making things. You I hope, know, you but know, like, like, we're making more how money. How are we doing with that? We're making more money than ever. And I, when I say in the shows, it's like the show experience for the fan is really dope. But at the same time, it's like sometimes the show performances are not as well. Right. You see what I'm saying? I don't have like, why do they have background dancers? Why did, aren't you getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to perform here? Why are you having no screen back there? That's what I was going to say. The first time I said that, I was like, you're, like concerts have gotten so much better. Mm-hmm. For sure, there's some shows that just like, from a technology standpoint and just a bandwidth standpoint, are being pulled off in a way crazier way. But I also think now people are celebrating certain things that there is no effort behind. No effort. And it's right. like, we're getting more money, but we're not putting... More into yeah, the art, artistry in my is opinion. dying down. So it's mm-hmm. like is dying. But kids, I think, I th- kids are rewarding artistry now again, or starting to. Yes and no. We also are celebrating bad artistry. I know, but, <laughs> so. but I'm saying I think after years of doing that, because I, th- I think that has was a real pattern. Right. I think I think there was things that had no effort behind them that were being celebrated because they were funny or because they were viral or because or just because it could be afforded to be put on again, right? right. It's like ah, oh, do they care? Who cares? I'm gonna get someone's gonna pay me to but do you look, this. Look at mm-hmm. Steve Lacey being the number one running longest running song on Spotify. I right? Saw it. I was, That's a real artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a real artist that came from a real scene. Okay. Who came? Who makes real music? Real, you, you know, literally can't phone instru- it. In. Instrumental made in the studio with real instruments, and he had Dark Red, which was like the original version of it, which mm-hmm. was like to his cult fan base. Even though it's a really big song. There's something bad about to happen to me. I don't know what, but I feel it coming. And 
then you see the timing of it, kids care about real stuff again. And it's the right amount of viral. It's the right amount of really real and artistry and thing to buy into. And I think we're going to see a return back to that. In rap, kids, though, because like we're watching I, I Steve do that. I think like, we're going to see a return back right, to that. Right, right. I think going back, yes, you're absolutely right. But going back to what you were also saying, too, and what Sycamore is saying, it's going to take for some stuff to kind of die down for you to get to some of that good stuff. Because it's like, it's a lot of shit that's just, just like, for real? So this is what this great artist that's been over here putting all these hours into the studio, trying to make sure his his shows and everything look good. And I'm rewarding and, this. And we're we're going crazy for this shit that, well, that so you said like don't have no dancers or no nothing. Chick Fil A, and you're yeah, like, yeah, right, well, it's like come good. on. But, yeah. I, but I think I think kids. I'm going back to my main focus being like the new generation of consumers. Yeah, I'm telling you, after years of rewarding mediocrity, mm-hmm. kids are aware that they want to re- like really celebrate true artistry and I think we're going to see a positive shift in that and hip hop specifically also one one pathway to define true artistry in rap was lyricism right and, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily like you know necessarily boom bap but lyricism um, do we feel like rap is shifting away from that do we think it'll at least remain important there's so many subgenres. Mm-hmm. Right, it comes down to production too. It comes down to so many things. Like, will we still will we look around and like we look at the cover of maybe like a double XL top ten, and people are like, "Yo, maybe it's more something more ambient and abstract that doesn't hold a, a previous thing that defined strong artistry." I mean, it's the shift. It's, it's your it's your depending on lyricism, like the traditional lyricism, like kind of like the Kendricks of the world who has like more traditional lyricism. Mm-hmm. But it's also people with very unique styles. Like Playboy Cardi has a very unique style. Mm-hmm. He's not a lyricist. But he's such a, I think Little Baby has a unique style, even in the way he's structuring his songs and also sure. his delivery. Like he's Baby's never incredible. bent thug. Yeah. Right. But so for Cardi, right? Thug what was he rejected he, originally. Yeah. Yeah. And he's an incredible lyricist. Yeah. One of the best for his future. But like now, I think they put a lot more, the younger generation puts a lot more emphasis on flows. Mm-hmm. Melody. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They want, you to, they want you to get in there. They want you to just hear boot back. Back in the day, it was very structured flow. But these How many syllables you can get? These they are want, children of thug. Yeah. They want you to rap, but they want you to have a little There's times where I look at an older artist that, you know, that's the one thing in science, unless you know your artists are getting older, is like they can't keep up the flow. And I'm always like, are they stopped participating? But then when I go back and really play them, uh, and I'm not, Wayne's like a tough example to throw up there, but it's really that so many people have taken that flow and expanded upon it. Mm-hmm. Then I'm always like, damn, the flow just gets more intricate. The flow is always evolving. I'll mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Yo, it's a family tree. It was Wayne mm-hmm. to Thug to Cardi Uzi. To and now, I'm always like, now there's another generation. And, I'm like, and then you start feeling that sense of like, if Wayne rapped the way Cardi rapped, that'd be really crazy. But it's like, he's of his time. But so you're thinking it's, again, we're looking at a world that's flow is not edging out lyricism, but flow is where the attention is as opposed to. Because it, it, to me, I it's very so. obvious that lyricism isn't necessarily the thing that's making or breaking artists. Yeah. Flow, melody, and production feels like so much of the pie. Hip-hop and rap music has gotten so big. There's so many subgenres. You can, go listen, you can go listen to Griselda, mm-hmm. and then those fans don't necessarily listen to Ken Carson and Yeet. Mm-hmm. And are, are, who's to say that those aren't all still a part of the overall the same genre? They're just different subcultures. So I think there's different people being rewarded for different things. Yeah, in the London scene, there's big time, big time lyricism over right. there. For sure. Yeah, you know crazy. Yeah, By the way, like you it. see Central C comes to, to America. He wants to cross over. His idea of crossing over is let me go do L.A. Leakers freestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which might not be the same thing that an L.A. artist is even prioritizing. Which is crazy because that feels so classically hip-hop. Totally. Like, so I'm just saying there's different sub London sub-genres. feels so much like what traditional hip-hop is like the way they do their shows, mm-hmm. still going to radio, doing live shit, um, the way in which they rap, the way they have collective crews, the way in which they collaborate. It feels so 98 to 2009, like the way London does mm-hmm. their shit. So I also wonder too, with like with rap, all these subgenres, raps, um, huge influx of money. Like, how do I say it? I don't want to say like the end of rap, but like, is, is the shift in rap just too far away from like its beginning to like hold any of those traits is valuable. Everything has a shift every year, every from music. It has a shift. If it's R&B, if it's pop, if it's whatever, there's going to be a shift and it comes back to what that's going to be. I think hip hop's going to go through its shift. I think it goes through what we just said. We got to get some of this. Unfortunately, these these quick moments have to kind of go for these the next generation of our superstars to really have their opportunity and for us to receive it in that way. I, I don't think it's a guarantee that it has to come back. I've you watch genres like kind of like jazz and rock and these things. When they lose their scene and their essence of why they're there, they go away. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're still there. Like jazz is still there, but they're not on top of the charts anymore. You know, people who are jazz enthusiasts will go there, but it's not 
It never came back. Jazz used to run the charts. Jazz used to be of the streets. Jazz was hip-hop before it came out. You see what I'm saying? So you don't, it doesn't necessarily have to come back if you lose your essence. You could sell out. But can you come back in a different way? Like I think it has come yeah, back. Yeah, like, you know, I think that there it has to be a different way of it coming back. That's just like at one point, there's a big argument is... Is Blast, is Young Blue, Thug, Future sometimes, are they doing R&B? Like, you know what I mean? Like, are they are they going into a whole nother genre of something? Future much, gave us a whole R&B album at one point. How much is us categorizing rap just about, like, their race, their appearance, their, you know, all these factors that, like, are they rap? And that's my point. It's like, you mean these subgenres, are, are all these new guys rap? Or are they just wearing certain clothes and hanging with certain people? Like, those guys in reggaeton, they're rapping. Right, They're for all sure. rappers. <laughs> you know, yeah. some of them sing a little bit, but they're really rapping. And if you go talk to somebody, like, they're like, oh. In terms of structure, no doubt. Yeah, these, are, these are rap songs, you know, but it's a different flow. It's a different thing. They're, they're killing it. I, I was in a session with Bad Bunny, man. He did a verse in front of me, and I'm like, oh, this motherfucker's nice as hell. And <laughs> I don't know one word he was saying, but just overall the flow. Like, what he did on I Like It on Cardi's song, it was my favorite part of the song. He murdered that shit. So it's just like, to your point, it's coming back in a different way, but it's already here. Like, people are taking elements of rap, mm-hmm. but really hip-hop. So you're saying all these sub-genres that are building <laughs> right. off. Yeah. And like, but does the, the prevalence of so many sub-genres actually kill the idea of the big genre? And I think that's what I was trying to get to in the sense of I don't think the big genre completely dies. I think it just is seen in a whole totally different way. And that changes, but that changes a lot about the way we think about rap as rap being this dominant force oh, that tops the charts and becomes like, because it carries so much baggage with it, not just the music. It's like rap is like, rap is like the culture's diplomat, you know, like it goes into these spaces that some of us aren't welcome. It mm-hmm. goes, you know, like. You're using it, rap and, and hip hop interchangeably and it's not. It's not, it's not. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, they're using, you know, the rap to sell this podcast. I mean, hip-hop to use this podcast. But it's called hip, Rap Caviar. Hip-hop is way wider. Yeah, and I think hip-hop's influence, they use part of the rapping in it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to go into all these different worlds and subgenres, right? If you're just talking about one subset of lyricism rap, then, you know, like, so like hip, I said. Hip-hop continue to grow rap proper rap. I was going to say the opposite. I thought rap was overarching and the hip-hop's more specific. I mean, I guess it goes either way. Mm, so hip-hop's like the color where you wear your clothes. Everything about yeah, it is hip-hop. like an hip-hop. idea. Yeah, hip-hop's like the it's culture. Yeah, rap is like just what you do. Got the it's actual like, act of rapping. Got yeah, it. Yeah, so, so, right. I am using it interchangeably, but then are we finding that like the idea of maybe rap going away, like jazz is almost like an idea like hip-hop, right? Like, not exactly, but it's like, no, what I mean by it is like just people of a certain era that identify with it, a certain way of dressing, talking, worldview. So we're talking you know, about are things still hip hop? Like and the people things, aren't actually rapping. Jazz is yeah. a genre. Like I could go to a jazz club. But, you know what I'm saying? Hip hop's the way of, of life. Hip hop's the way you move, hip hop's the way you think. That's why all these all reggaeton, uh uh Afrobeat, they're all use hip hop. These mm-hmm. all hip hop slang, where they move. That's swag for sure. But it's forty nine years old, so everyone's gonna be a part of this thing now. If you're just talking about are we bringing back like people are gonna do like uh, freestyle over. battles and things like that. Over you know what I'm saying? Loops. They're gonna they're gonna use elements of that, but it's, it's it, not gonna be the same. It's not gonna be the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's be the same. <laughs> when, that, when that stuff first came, when like I'm a kid who grew up, you know, a little. I'm younger. Where my mom was telling me like today, this is listen to Nas. Today, listen to Elmatic. Today, listen to Big Daddy Kane. Today, listen to NWA. Putting me on all these different things and giving me context to where it came from and all these different things. But it's like when those things first came out. People, people that were in music industry were like, what the hell is this? This is so disruptive. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be a change of things or they're going to evolve. It's it, it would be foolish to think things are going to stay the same and that that would be a good thing. And there's a good, there's a, there's a, there's a negative aspect to like, are we losing what is at the core of all of this? But there's also, uh, you can't ignore the fact that things are always going to change and sound different. And I never, I never personally want to be, regardless of rap, any genre, I never personally want to be the guy and it's going to get to me at some point where I'm like, it comes for everybody. This isn't music. It comes for everybody. And like, and like, I can't say that because who am I to decide what this younger generation what of kids it is. like? Yeah. They might resonate with it. Whether I say it doesn't have value because it's just viral, whatever nonsense, or they're like, this makes me feel a type of way. Mm. And I can't decide for them. I think that's the most um, interesting thing right now, especially for A&R. 
because you grew up like I grew up loving like, hip hop and R&B baby and everything. But I also have to look at things from a different lens to be like, again, who am I to say that this artist shouldn't have their shot because they have this one record that they created on TikTok and it's this and it's that. But like, if we it's can't good, assign val- we yeah. can't assign value for them. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who are we to say that? Especially now that you can really build your own fan base from so many different places. Who am I to say that those aren't your fans? What are you all with that in mind? Um, what are you all most optimistic about? of the next year, two years, five years of things that you've seen that are coming into focus that maybe weren't things that we've gotten away from that, you know, maybe something else has replaced it. Um, What are you most optimistic about? Either things that we've shed or things that we're inching towards in this rap space slash hip hop? I like where where everything is going in general. I like the globalization. I like that there's so many different players. So, so many stars are going to come up from different points. I like that because now I have, it challenges me. Like now I have to be New York, LA, London, Paris, Tokyo, Puerto Rico, Mexico City, Colombia, Cartagena. Like I got, Jamaica, I can't just be in New York or LA thinking like everything's going to come to me. Nah, it's global. What about that Beezer rap song that was number one Spotify for 10 weeks? (laughs) Johannesburg, Lagos. It's like, if I'm not out there moving, I'm going to get left behind. If you're just sitting there in one city and you're not bumping into each other people in these different things, it's over for you. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think what's happening post-pandemic, it's like the same thing that happened in film. I like to study where other, like, like we're filming in, in, uh, in sports go. So, like, film went through two renaissances, right? I think back, like, uh, before Spielberg and, uh, uh, and um, who did the, the Godfather? Coppola. Uh, Scorsese Coppola he might not have done Scottfather but Scorsese they're all of them they're all from one generation like that Easy Rider Raging Bull Ron Howard Mm -hmm. they were really inspired by French New Wave yeah but American movies sucked at the time yeah and they got together like nah we about to change this shit up that was a scene and that was a scene because we're all hanging out and they're like we figured it out you know what I'm saying and then again back in the 90s you know like uh, Robert Rodriguez and motherfucking um, Tarantino yeah all these guys got together Spike Lee Spike Lee on the other side and they, the, the 80s movies kind of, were kind of trash. You know what I'm saying? And they came and that whole uh, Sex Lives videotape, Pulp Fiction era, yeah. then they ushered in something new. I think the pandemic is ushering something new into hip-hop. The last time I was this excited for where everything was going was 2009, 2010. ASAP Mob, Our Future. Kendrick came out in 2011. Weekend, kind of block Kendrick, era, yeah. TDE, uh, all this shit was happening at this one time and it was felt like the wild, wild west. But on a bigger scale, if you look who was really, Drake just started coming out. But if you look who was big at the time, if it was like, it was like Lil Wayne or nobody, right? Look at that like, tour, by the way. Drake, Kendrick, Rocky went we on tour We were coming together. off of Watch the Throne and, and Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a whole <laughs> thing bubbling. So if you weren't paying attention to that, mm-hmm. you were you were left behind. It felt exciting for me watching that and then still being like, but knowing everyone is at the Watch the Throne concert are fans, but I feel like I was a fan of them, but I knew about the new shit coming. You can be a fan of both. But you were, you were at a different age then. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So now it's like, you know, you got different companies. You have your furniture shopping. You yeah, know what I'm saying? You yeah. have a set. So it's harder for you to shit stay. different. Yeah, it's harder for you to stay in tune. But if I'm 19 years old, 20, 15, mm-hmm. 16, I'm like, these motherfuckers on here are crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, this yeah. shit is lit right now. They're going to the Kendrick concert and then being very excited about this. No, these, com- these kids feel like they're like, they say confidently, they're like, this is the healthiest the underground has ever been. Yeah, yeah. And, you mm-hmm. know, they're not, they don't know what the underground was before or whatever. But I, like, I look back on, I was 2011, I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. And I look back and I'm like, I grew up in the best time <laughs> of music ever. And I'm like, wow, like, I was 15 years old discovering going to Travis shows at the observatory with 150 people mm-hmm. and going to Kendrick shows and going to see... This like, but also there was a there was like tail end of blog era, and there was all these artists. And by the way, they all scaled, which is the different thing. Right. We saw mm-hmm. artists and crews that end up reaching yeah. real those peaks. Are superstars and, and those peaks today. We saw them go familiar. from yeah. Yeah, right. we saw yeah. them go from street level yeah. to little shows mm-hmm. to blogs to like superstardom. And now I think what's happening is we're seeing a lot of shit bubbling, and it's not ever reaching those peaks. But kids are really invested in it. And someone told me it's successful in the future of like a lot of industries won't necessarily look vertical it'll be horizontal it'll be yeah. wide yeah. yeah it'll be like you have a scene Cult. and the more people you get to fill up your scene mm-hmm. as opposed to being like you will you have a million way. dollars Suicide yeah. Boys can you name a Suicide Boys song? no they could sell 10,000 tickets right. everywhere and they may never get a Grammy right they're not gonna go they have, but, they, uh, but they had a number one album they, have a, yeah. they had a number one album like, they have they sell millions of dollars of merch every year I can't name more than one song but I have so much respect for they built the their growth, own thing. They just said they, 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 they just said right. Brooklyn Mirage like two nights or whatever in New York. Like that's, that's no no jokes. That's a lot of hard tickets. Yeah. And so my point is, we're seeing an era of super cults. 
Mm. BTS is just that at scale, mm-hmm. mm. right? People just care about things really hard. And it, would you rather have 10 million passive fans or 1 million diehards? Yeah, for sure. What are you guys optimistic about? I feel like you're kind of telling me, but I, I just... I mean, I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's getting back to the storytelling. I think it's being able to really grow with the artist to know, like, why you're a real fan, you know? Um, and then also being able to see them have those moments of, like, dang, I remember when I bought my first ticket yeah. to that show and to see them, you know, go from that. Like, I I hope that we get back to that. We have to get back to that because then how will we know what our next superstars are going to be? Being invested in the whole journey. Yeah, like, you have to. Like, that was a big part of what made me fans of so who rewarding. I am today. You feel, some type yeah. of you feel some type of ownership about it, too. Like, in a like good, damn, in a real, I remember when K-Dot came out you with Section argue, 80. You like, argue about those To see things, that right? now, four nights he's he's selling out in L.A., he put out a whole body of work that regardless if you were mentally there or not, you respected that. It was mm. art. It That was him getting that off of his chest. Yeah. Only somebody that you've been able to see do all of that, you will respect to allow him uh, to the, do that. The context of that, what yeah. that even means. It's the context, yeah. What about you? What am I excited about? Yeah, like most optimistic it's about It's funny it. because I'm here talking about like TikTok and this and I kind of like vouching for all of it. But what I mean about all that is, and I'm like, I'm probably the youngest here, right? I, I just think. Are you? I'm just. No, no. <laughs> you guys have, are, are far more senior. You guys have done no, this. You guys, have, you, guys, you guys have accomplished so many amazing things. I'm definitely things. the oldest for sure. I'm, I'm looking up, <laughs> I'm look, sick, sick more someone I look up to for sure. Like I tell him all the time, you know, and, and then he's always like, buying me books and putting me on game and like oh the big, sycamore book and, and, oh, yeah, like, and, bi- and, bi- and bigging me up on shit but I'm like dude like I'm looking I'm learning from you mm-hmm. um, I'm just excited as a I'm a real music fan I understand that kids have access to tools that might dilute things or whatever and I think I'm excited for us to head back in a time where artistry is rewarded and world building is rewarded and I think you gotta look at post tragedy worlds you know post 9-11 a lot of things, you know, you got to realize like that Jay-Z album dropped like two weeks after 9-11 happened, right? So there's a lot same of things. Same day. Same day, but it I'm really saying like came the, into, we, came, we needed a break and came into focus like the next two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying like, and I was there, I was in New York, I was a kid. Jay-Z wasn't my generation's rapper, you know, Drake is like my generation's rapper. Um, but I understood how incredible it was. And I think that now in this post-pandemic world, there's going to be a reemergence of kids that we're stuck inside, actually going outside and being like feeling and touching things. And that's how we're going to see a reemergence of scenes because kids are going to actually get together in person. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a reemergence of real artistry getting rewarded because people are going to be like, I'm not just looking at this on my phone anymore. What does the concert look like? What does the merch look like? What does this thing look like? And I think we're going to get back to all these things that we're talking about that we're missing. Mm-hmm. It's just going to look different than how what how it was. I think that's it. Um <laughs> That's it for the Rap Caviar podcast. Make sure you guys tune in next week. Follow for more. Uh, see you then. Mm-hmm.